0: Good afternoon. Good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to the Sage Sayers. I'm Debbie garda McCullough. I'm an executive communications coach and a narrative coach from New Zealand based in the fine state of Wisconsin. The Sage Sayers is my weekly podcast where I look at executive communications tips and strategies, and I also interview interesting people from all over the world on the gifts, opportunities, and knowledge they've encountered from challenging situations. This week, my guest is Mark Lee. Mark Lee is executive producer and a radio show host at IBM.tv, and he has been in the entertainment business for a long time, starting with being a teenager. Even his parents were in the radio community and he worked with them as a boy. So welcome Mark Lee. And today the goal for our interview is to help demystify podcasting to those who have some curiosity around it as a tool, but also give us a bit of a reality check. There are 850,000 podcasts active around the world. So how do we make our mark? And welcome to you, Mark Lee.
1: Hey, how are you doing? Glad to see you, Dev. It's always good to see you and to uh, conversate with you and to talk to you. So I noticed you're over there in Wisconsin, and Wisconsin has been uh really in the news positively this week because those Packers actually went ahead and made it to the championship round. So I've uh, followed I sports and been. I saw that they are doing really well and that they will have to play Tampa Bay and Tom Brady and see whether they make it to the Super Bowl or not.
0: There you go. I yes, thank you for that. It is, it's a big day for Wisconsin. And I forgot to let my listeners know how I know Mark. So I'm fairly new to podcasting. This is actually episode five. And although I have a fairly rich background in journalism like Mark does, I've worked as a business reporter for over 25 years for some really great publications, but I hadn't really done podcasting. When I trained at Berkeley, radio was a thread and available to me. I just didn't really get into it. So podcasting was new and I reached out to Mark on LinkedIn and asked him to train me. So I hired him as my trainer. So because of Mark, I am here. I also have to share, I kind of have voice envy with Mark's voice. He's got a really great voice. So it's just really great to have you here, Mark. I had um, the first question that comes to me is just let us know a little bit about your story and why you've stayed with podcasting all these years.
1: Well, podcasting is actually relatively new to me and everything. I've been doing it now for maybe about six or seven years. and I can tell you a little bit about how that came about because I started off doing the audio podcast and then more of this streaming type podcast that we're doing now has been more recent. But like you said earlier, I did come out of the world of radio um, when I was a preteen. Uh, and I'm in my late 50s now, but when I was a preteen, my parents started a radio station in Warrington, North Carolina because they were um, not hearing the voices that they would like to hear. And that's one of the reasons you had asked earlier why people might want to get into podcasting. That's one of the reasons that I feel people do get into podcasting and into media in general is because they're not hearing their voices in the traditional media. So they're not hearing it, say on the ABC, the CBS, or the NBC, or the Fox, or things of that nature, or even kind of their interest areas. Because a lot of times folks will have interest areas, whether that's entrepreneurship, whether that's art, whether that's um, creative outlets or a number of other things. So, That's where I found a lot of times people will try to have an interest in doing podcasting. But like I said, when I was, I want to say maybe around 14 or 15, that's when my parents decided that they wanted to start this radio station because they were not hearing jazz music and they were big jazz fans in Warren County and they were not hearing jazz in their community. And they really wanted to do something to bring jazz and to bring news awareness to the African American community, particularly in that rural area because Warrington is actually a rural town. So they were trying to actually provide kind. of a more um, active voice to the community, but also give that community access to um, jazz, which was their love. But as they were creating that love, they found that there were other people that had other interests that also weren't being reached as well. There was definitely a uh, good amount of folks there that were into blues, which is something that I'm into now as well. There was some folks that were into gospel. There were folks that were into children's programming because they had kids at that particular time and everything. And there was even a burgeoning hip-hop scene at that time because hip-hop is fairly new. I think that it just celebrated recently its 50th birthday or something like that. So it was a relatively new art form and everything. So there was young people that were interested in trying to incorporate hip hop and that element as well. As a matter of fact, they started a show there with the kids called uh, Let's Rap. And that was the name of the show and everything. It was kind of like Zoom, the old TV show. It was a show by kids for kids. So the kids produced the show. They actually got the show together. And a couple of those folks have actually gone on to some sort of success in that field. Like I know my friend Gerald Neely has actually done some work in New Orleans at one of the big commercial stations for having done that work here in the Raleigh-Durham area and everything. And there's a few others that have had some success in the field from that radio experience. So that's actually how I got involved in radio with my my parents, and then I went to Milwaukee. I went to Milwaukee, Wisconsin to go to school at Marquette and pursued more of a print journalism career because I always thought that I wanted to be, well, I can't say always, but for many years, I thought I wanted to be a print journalist. And I still do some of that on a freelance basis every once in a while. But I went to get my print journalism degree from Marquette University. And while I was there, I also did some radio with WMUR, which is the Marquette radio station.
0: So I guess uh, the one question that came to me, is so interesting hearing your background, Mark, and thank you for sharing one. Thing that came to me as I was listening. So, you know, many years ago, you were a teen when you saw your mm-hmm. parents launch that jazz radio station. And I love this insight too, because they saw a gap where they could penetrate. Even though years have passed, what did you learn from your parents in terms of just some really go to traditional, eternal tips to be not impressive, but an effective podcaster or broadcaster from your parents? What are the core things you noticed and learned from them as you watched them run the show?
1: Yeah, one of the things I learned is definitely you have to be committed to the – you have to be committed to the field. You have to be committed to it. Unfortunately, some of the podcasters that you just gave that statistic of how many podcasters are out there, some of them have kind of a – I won't say an amateur, but kind of like a um I'll do it when I feel like it kind of attitude and right. you have to be very consistent. You just can't like just do it whenever you feel like it. you have to be able to have a consistent basis now that doesn't mean that you have to do as I do a twice a week or actually I do three podcasts, streaming podcasts, wow. similar to what you're doing here for IBM TV. And that's just the ones that I do. I also help with a few of the other shows as well. So it's probably close to, let's see, there's the three that I do. There's the two that I produce for Zach, um, one of them that is branched off into its own network. So it's not with IBM TV anymore. And then there is um, the one that I do with my friend that's into gaming. And that's about the gaming industry. So it's about six that I've been involved with with IBM TV on a consistent basis every week. But I know that I have to do that show on On a weekly basis, I have to come up with the guests. I have to be able to do that. And that's one of the things that my parents taught me was that you need to be consistent. Consistency is very important and things of that nature.
0: And what else did they teach you? What else do you find yourself rolling over and leaning in on from what what you saw with your parents and their show?
1: Well, one of the things, like I said, was a whole radio station. And one of the things that I saw with them was that you have to have a good team behind you. I mean, having yeah. a good team of folks that will be supportive with you is very important. Um, It can also be um, very much of something that you have to understand what its relationship will be, even in your own family relationships and things of that nature. Because one of the things that I jokingly tell folks is that I'm very close to both my mom and my dad and still talk to them on a regular basis. They got divorced after the radio station was on the air and things of that nature. So as far as I'm concerned, and this is not a negative, it's just that sometimes the pressures of being in a relationship and also working together while you're in the relationship can lead to stress in the relationship. So one of the things that I have jokingly said is that to some degree, it almost felt like they had three kids, which was me and my younger brother, and the radio station was the third kid. Some of that is also something that you have to be consistent with as well.
0: Yeah. And, and something you shared there really touched me. One surprise for me as a podcaster Even though I have a rich journalism background and I know how to track down sources, that's fine. You really have to get organized, right? Like to be consistent and to fall in. I heard a really wonderful podcast recently but from an expert who was one of the early podcasters in the industry and Buzzsprout, the hosting platform for my podcast, interviewed them. And he said, if you maintain, even for the first three months, a weekly podcast, you are already in a minority as a podcaster. But I know from being a new podcaster, why so many fade out. And it's really because there is a bit of commitment and time involved. You have to almost create an editorial calendar of who you want to bring on. And the same expert said, be specific, come up with a specific offering that you are offering. And to do that, you have to be a little strategic. It takes a little strategy like, okay, decide, am I going to one week just have me speaking and then the next week bring in a guest? Like you have to be quite organized, strategic and project outwards. Try to bring your podcast into something that's happening in a specific month month, like February's coming up. So I've already got lined up several interviewees who have uh, really found that love healed them and allowed them to get to the place they want to be. So it's stories that are within my theme, but related to the month of love.
1: Oh yeah, and February is definitely a month of love. February is also Black History Month, so a lot of times folks will do shows that are regulated around Black History Month and things along that line. And then a lot of times you do wind up doing theme-oriented interviews, but another thing that sometimes happens is that you also have to be prepared for the unexpected. That's one of the things that you have to be prepared for. In, Tell me in, more. In, but definitely also in the field of podcasting because, I mean, you can line up the best guests in the world, but there are times where life happens, you know, they might have a incident in their life, whether it's health related, whether it's other appointments. And you do have to understand that you are just one media source that they are going to, but they also have to run their various businesses, their various lives and things along that line. So there have been times and we've actually joked about this on IBM TV and everything is that there have been times where you've had some of the best guests lined up in the world, but they have not necessarily shown up. So then you have to find oh, ways to actually keep the conversation going. Cause like I said, if you have a, a allotted time, whether that's an hour, whether that's two hours, whether that's three hours, whether that's 30 minutes, whatever the allotted time is, you need to be able to fill that space. So there are different ways that folks do that. Like I said, I have some, um, uh, Sometimes I'll do pre-canned interviews so I can pull those up to put them in the space if the um, people did not show up that I was expecting. There are also like music beds and other things that I might use in order to keep the conversation flowing and everything. And then I've got a knack for the gap, as folks can tell from listening to me and everything. So (laughs) definitely they can go. I can go for a while, but even I need a break every once in a while. So with that break, I might use music. I might use um, some of the past interviews. I might uh, reach out to... To um, some of the folks that I call kind of my rescue team, because like I have a good friend Tim Sohn, as well as a good friend Brian Showman, And Brian is in California, Tim is in Pennsylvania. And sometimes I'll reach out to them and be like, all right, I need somebody to come in really fast and uh, help me garner the rest of the time and everything. The same with Russ Head. So there are a couple of folks that are connected, and most of all three of those actually are on LinkedIn. Brian is actually a LinkedIn influencer. So definitely those are folks that I will sometimes reach out to and they have their own shows. Brian does a show called uh, Voice Your Vibe and Shout Out Saturday. So that's the things that he does with Tim. And then they also have their own kind of programs as well. But we've become kind of a podcasting network, a podcasting family of connections and things of that nature. So that's always good to have folks that you know you can reach out to to help you if you're uh, stuck in a pinch.
0: There you go. And I love that. So leaning on your community, making sure you've got that strong network. I wondered too, if you could offer my listeners any sort of um, things that they must have ready. Like, is there any particular, we're using StreamYard for this interview, as they're deciding how to get started, what would be kind of the first three things that they need to decide before they get started?
1: Well, there's two different ways of doing it. One is I would definitely suggest getting a platform, like you said. I use uh, Streamyard on just about all of my shows. There are some other ones as well. There's Restream, there's Libsyn, there's a couple of other ones. But I find Streamyard to be very effective. And Streamyard actually just recently got um, bought out by a bigger company. That bigger company will actually probably be adding more um, tools to Streamyard, and they are actually going to work very closely together. I think the company is called Helios, if I remember correct. They just recently got bought out by Uh, them and everything, but I think that that will probably be a benefit to the StreamYard family just because of what the uh, now parent company is bringing to them. But I do think you need a good platform. I mean, some people are now looking at creating entire networks. That's kind of what IBM TV is doing. There are some others that are doing similar kind of stuff. So if you want to uh, join a network that actually gives you kind of the benefits of their resources as well. So that's another thing that some folks are looking into, and um, there are definitely some strong networks out there that you can be part of. mentors which is Sri Sri Navasan's kind of event planning, podcasting kind of situation as well, is another network that folks can plug into because they're oftentimes trying to help people create their events. Cause one of the things that podcasters have an advantage with now is a lot of folks are also, because of the nature of COVID and where we are in the world, are doing virtual events. So they need sometimes the tools that podcasters offer, meaning even the platform, in order to create their events and everything. I'll give an example back Back in November, a good friend of mine, Eric Kelly, was doing an event that he's been doing annually for decades uh, called the Black Business Expo here in uh, the Raleigh-Durham area and everything. But he knew he wasn't going to do it in a live place. Usually he's been in like a hotel or something like that. So he did it virtually, and he did it virtually using my platform. So like I said, he, I told him about StreamYard, told him about the fact that we could do this entire conference using StreamYard, and he decided that he wanted to do it 24-7. Now, some folks would say that that was madness on my part, but what <laughs> I did was that I did not do the full 24-7. We did more like 12-7, and then we re-aired the other 12 hours and I cycle back. So it did wind up being a 24-7 time frame. But, Dev, don't worry, I did get my sleep because while I was sleeping, the the reruns were repeating from the earlier part of the segment. But he had speakers from all over the country. He had a woman from Texas that has her own energy drink and is a former WNBA player. He had a woman that used to be on the Shark Tank and lives in New York that was on the show. He had George Frazier, who is a well-known motivational speaker on there as well. As a matter of fact, George was on a number of times, but he was using the platform and we're still using the platform. And he's looking at doing that event again, I want to say, in late February. So definitely that's one of the ways that podcasters might even look at exploring into things. One of the things that you said you do, which I don't always do, and I probably should do a better job of it because I've got a good gift for Gab in the sense of following the interview process. But my friend Zach does this, what you do on a regular basis. And I, for particularly beginner podcasters, I would urge them to do that, which is plan out your script. My friend yeah. Zach literally plans out his entire script. So like I said, he does funk from the front seat, where he's talking about funk music from the front seat of his car and everything. and brings Yeah, he records
0: from his car, right? You told yeah, me about yeah, yeah, him doing yeah, really right.
1: yeah, he does that. And then he does funk music with Zach, which is the one that stayed on IBM TV, funk from the front seat. He's moved on to his own network and everything. Nine on the Grind is the name of his network. And it's part of a bigger African-American network platform that will probably be launching sometime in uh, Black History Month and all of that. But he's uh, doing the funk from the front seat and uh, funk me do with that. But he definitely plans it out. Like sometimes I'll call him up. He actually doesn't live that far from me in terms of the apartment complex that we're in. And he'll tell me that he's up at like, you know, midnight or whatever, writing out his questions, writing out his thought patterns. So that is something that is very important, particularly for a beginning podcaster because you want to make sure that you're consistent in the way that your messaging is going out as well.
0: Yeah. And I love that. And in terms of uh, one question that uh, I have from quite a few fellow coaches as I'm launching my own podcast with the Sage Sayers is how do you monetize? And the follow-up question to that is, do you need to monetize? Because what I've heard from podcasts I've listened to on how to build out your podcast is don't worry about the money at the start, at least, you know, for at least the first year, just gain a a steady client base, you know, listener base (coughs) is more important than monetizing. What do you say?
1: I would agree with that. You definitely want to build up the audience because, I mean, the audience will determine and we were actually just having this meeting yesterday that was talking about that black podcasting network that may be coming out. And that's one of the things that two of the folks that were on that call were talking about was the fact that you need to have your audience before you can actually go to the advertisers and to the corporation types or even the small people because even in your local market, wherever you are at, wherever your podcaster friends are at, even those people need to know that they are reaching an audience. They don't want to just throw their money at you and not feel like they're not getting some sort of return or some sort or another. I know that Russ Hedge, who I mentioned, and he lives in the uh, West Coast area, I believe it's Portland, if I remember correctly, but he's got actually a confectionary like a cookie company that is one of his sponsors and all. But he reached out to them after he had done several shows. So I definitely think that you need to build up your audience first before going after the money. The money is important and all of that. Another thing that I would suggest that folks do, and I've seen a great deal of success with this from my friend Brandon Stewart, who does a show called Best of Travel on IBM TV, but he also has that aired on YouTube, is a lot of times folks will also do um kind of like the swag element of things as well. So like a lot of podcasters are now getting their own individual cups, their own individual um, t-shirts like I know. Oh, very cool. So definitely, because that can also help you market yourself to the world as well if you're going out and about and folks are like seeing a shirt that's got Sage on it and everything. They'll be like wondering, well, what's that all about?
0: Right. I love that. So you've given us some great tips here And uh, in terms of what are three things that you learned on the fly that you wished you'd known before you launched any of your own podcast shows?
1: Um, well, you alluded to one of them. I mean, definitely um, one of the things that happens in all of entertainment is what uh, a friend of mine calls the um, the drain. Of, he actually calls it the brain drain because a lot of times folks will need the knowledge that you have accessible and everything, but they don't necessarily want to give you the um, rewards in terms of like trying to like Pay you for your knowledge and everything. That's one of the things that I will definitely commend Deb for is that when she asked for the coaching, she didn't like say, I just want the coaching and I'm not going to like give you something in return. It was kind of like it was a fair trade and everything. I gave my knowledge and she also gave a little bit of return in terms of fiscal return and all of that. So that's one of the things that I wish more people would do is, and I'm sure you run into the same thing with coaching where folks want to get the business coaching, but they don't necessarily want to give you the kind of like reward that you. need in order to have that business coaching so that's one of the things that i would definitely urge folks to do is if you're trying to get truly trained and everything go ahead and pay for the services and i do think that you do need to have a business plan in mind and no you don't have to have it in mind that you're going to make instant money instantaneously because that doesn't always happen it sometimes takes that you have to build up your audience in order to go after those advertisers as i said earlier but you don't want to like not have a game plan. And I think that too often folks get frustrated because they don't have a game plan. And in some cases, this is their primary, if not their only source of income. So they obviously will get frustrated because they're not seeing that return come in as fast as they would like.
0: Yeah, great insight, Mark. So last question, as we go into Black History Month and the month of love for Valentine's Day in February, who do you have coming up on your shows? What kind of themes can we listen out for from you?
1: Well, I've got a number of great guests. I actually just interviewed earlier this week. actually interviewed him yesterday because sometimes the interviews are pre-planned because of their schedule, meaning that they don't fit into your time frame. So there's a gentleman named Sun Dewan um, who is a Hawaiian rapper. So he will be (laughs) featured on an upcoming show that I've got coming up. I've also got some other entrepreneurs types as well that I am reaching out to because that's part of what my main interest is, is the entrepreneurs of the the world as well as the activists of the world. So I I'm in the constant process of talking to them. Katina Rankin, who used to be a TV anchor here in this area, but is now in the Memphis area, Memphis, Tennessee, and we've been longtime friends. I'm going to be having her come on, and that might be another case where I have to do a pre recorded interview just because of her busy news schedule. So I'm definitely talking to her and having some conversations with her, reaching out into LinkedIn on a regular basis to see different folks that are interested in being on the show and sharing their wisdom, their knowledge, and all of that. Because, like I said, I've had some amazing guests in the past just in the last several months and everything I've heard everything from a woman here in North Carolina that has her own uh, liquor company that has now gone into hand sanitizing so T. Naomi Lucas was an amazing guest that I had I also had Mr. Rao on and he is a leadership coach out of India so he was on one of my shows recently and there have been a number of other amazing guests like that so I'm just trying to continue this tradition of getting great guests I've got to live up to my reputation now because I think I was the only one they did for the first time ever on IBM TV, and that's a new platform. Like I said, it's less than a year old, but they decided to do an award show. And just about everybody that does shows got awards. But I think I got the most because I got four awards, including for one of the best interviews, which was an interview that I did several months back with Oli Damagard, who is a conspiracy theorist. So they gave me four awards. And so I think I might have to try to at least get four awards next year, if not go for five. <laughs>
0: I love that. Congratulations. Well, Mark, thank you for all of your wisdom and your insight. As I close down today's episode, do you want to let my listeners know how they can find you?
1: Yes, definitely. They can find all those great shows that I was just referring to on IBMTV.tv. They can also find our more traditional audio podcast, which is the one that I first started off with and everything. And like I said, that was about six years ago that I did with Dean Geronimo, and we're still doing that. And that is on blogtalkradio.com backslash squared 807. Usually on a Monday, that would be my crazy day of doing three shows back to back to back. But today is only going to be two shows back to back because I only have to do my IBM TV shows because we're going to re-air a rerun for this week's edition of Straight Talk with Dean and Mark because of MLK. So I will not be going from the two o'clock show to the four o'clock show to the seven o'clock show. It'll just be the two o'clock to the four o'clock, but they can definitely catch us there every Monday night. Even on a Monday that we're not airing, there will be a re-air at all of that, And one of the things that we've done, which um, I might need to talk to you about, even getting your program on this, is that we have created an audio network. So we've got several shows that are airing on our platform on Spreaker and a number of our other platforms that we are on on a consistent basis. And that's called Next Level Productions, if I remember correctly, and all of that. But definitely, Dean has created this whole network. So we've got a chef show on there. We've got all my IBM TV shows on there. We've got a kindergarten show on. Russ has got his show on. My my friend, just as has a business leadership show that is on there as well. So there's probably about 15 or 20 shows that we are airing on our network. So definitely, I might have to talk to you about seeing about getting sage on that.
0: You know, I would love that. You've been listening to executive producer Mark Lee, and I'm Debbie Gardner McCullough. This has been the Sage Sayers Weekly Podcast, a show that looks at gifts, opportunities, and knowledge from trying situations. And we offer executive communication tips as well. You can reach me through my website for coaching or training services at hangingrockcoaching.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll speak with you next week.